Hi, this is Chesney in Aarhus, Denmark. And this is Weldon in Nyi-sur-Sen, France. And you're listening to... American on the Outside. So this is a very tense and kind of uh, frightening time for everybody all over the world, of course, but it at least feels a little closer, I think, to those of us in Europe, just mm-hmm. because of physical proximity with a... Uh, the invasion of Ukraine uh, by Russia last week, which uh, is still sort of the the top news everybody's looking at right now. How are things in Denmark? I think it's pretty much the same everywhere in Europe right now. We're all very concerned about the situation there. We're all voicing our solidarity with the Ukrainian people. Uh, yesterday in Aarhus, there was a demonstration that my daughter and I attended unintentionally. We did not know (laughs) that it was happening. We were actually out for a girl's afternoon and stumbled across it and took some time to to reflect and to join in a demonstration for peace and freedom and in solidarity with uh, Ukrainian people. I know there were huge demonstrations all around Europe. How are things in Paris? Uh, I... I know there was a, a large demonstration at Place de Republique, uh, and I think another one at Place de Nation, um, and some protests in front of, uh, I think, the Russian embassy. Um, I saw some pictures from other parts of Europe. Wenceslas Square in Prague was was just full, uh, j- just absolutely full, which was quite a sight. Uh, I have been having a conversation with my significant other, I don't know, since December, I guess, maybe, since they started to gather forces uh, on the borders about whether or not this would come to pass. And I have to say, I'm shocked. I'm still shocked that it was something that has happened. What I was think, your general? Yeah, I think I was more on the on the pessimistic side of that, um, mm-hmm. looking at 2014 and before that, Georgia and even the uh, response in the Serbian war when they sort of zipped in ahead of uh, NATO mm. and, and took Belgrade. I've, I thought of this as, as sort of exactly characteristic of, of how Putin uses his military, with, mm. you know, to sort of deny he's going to do anything. And then suddenly they're all over the country. Um, I mean, Georgia is probably the clearest example. And it, all of this is made harder, like, it's so tempting when you're reading Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and you see, oh, wow, that's an inspiring story. But, you know, everything out there right now is unconfirmed. And I, you know, I, I don't think it does any good to spread rumors yeah. uh, during a war. So, you know, it's, it's fighting the temptation to say, oh, they're stalled outside of wherever. Well, we don't we don't really know that. We, you know, everything's still up in the air about what the conditions in Ukraine are. Uh, though apparently the radiation spikes are detectable from outside, so that's yes, they are. Some again with the with the caveat that none of neither you nor I really know what's going on mm-hmm. there. there. There's seems to be a huge difference in this and say Georgia in that like well, the power grid is still online and there's still internet. Like I, I think the Russians were less effective than they thought they would be at at taking those things out because I'm sure they'd rather Zelensky not be posting videos to YouTube right now. Sure. Of course. But he, but he is, and he's, he's, uh, uh, an absolute 
uh, people use the word propaganda to mean something negative. I, I mean it neutrally. Like he, he is a master at 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 let's say messaging. <laughs> uh, more sure, it's a, it messaging. You can call it branding. It's it all propaganda, messaging, branding. It all falls under the same sort of persuasive art, mm-hmm. and he's doing it really, really well. I just running circles around Moscow and he's 44. Like what, oh, what, what? have I done with my life? Yeah. I, what? He's, I mean, he's honestly just so impressive. He was an actor, a comedic actor who played a president, a, U- a Ukrainian president on Ukrainian television. That's my understanding. And I do know that Ukrainian is his second language. He started speaking, he grew up speaking Russian. Wow. Like, like a lot of people in Ukraine. So he was a comedic actor on a Ukrainian television show who somehow got talked into or decided to run for the office for reals and then got elected. I think the previous president was ousted Mm -hmm. and then there was an election and then Zelensky became president. But I think that the previous president was is like back in Ukraine right now. Like on the front lines with the Ukrainians. Yes, he's... yes, I saw a picture of him. Right, and I, I mean, I the the one thing that really sticks out to me, and I've been kind of griping about this, is that Americans should have, I hope, heard the name Zelensky a lot three years ago, uh, uh... because that's the person Donald Trump was impeached for attempting to blackmail. Yes, and not just blackmail, but withhold congressionally approved funds specifically for the defense of Ukraine. Defense, right. That like, you know, this is not just some, there's there's a a much stronger line between many of the shenanigans of the Trump administration and today than I think is is being drawn publicly by the media. And I think that's a disservice because this really always was what this was about, was, was Russia's designs in, in, the west of its territory. In times like these, you really sort of start staring at the threads. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like this moment that we are at right now is really what it's all been about. This is what 2016 was about in its entirety. Mm-hmm. It was about weakening weakening Western institutions so much. This is Brexit. This is This is Brexit. This is uh Orban, this is the, the the Le Pen's candidacy in France. Yeah. Yes. This is this is the disruption. This is the Gilets Jaunes, even. This is the disruption to American electoral politics mm-hmm. and divisions within our own country. I think what it seems to me that Putin has done masterfully is that he's kind of given up on trying to sow discord amongst nations and decided that the faster, easier, more effective way to go is to sow discord within nations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you get people fighting each other and distrustful of, of institutions and mm-hmm. I mean, norms. I think that's that's a huge one. The uh, the weakening of trusted institutions, I think, has been uh, the largest part of, of this ongoing campaign. And it really has been a sustained and ongoing campaign. I think, um, sort of undermining the, the, the public and social credibility of like the West and, and, and liberalism with a small L mm. 
um, as concepts. Well, I completely agree with that. I think that other countries look at the West and democratic principles and think, you guys are a mess. Why would we want to do that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Countries that traditionally are not maybe the strongest in democracy, they don't have a history of it. They're new to it. You know, it's very fragile and new. I think they look at more established democracies and think, you guys are a big mess. <laughs> and maybe a little bit more authoritarianism is the way to go here. We know how to do that. We've been yeah. doing that for centuries. We know yeah. we know what that's about. I mean, but you don't you don't just see that in I mean, you don't just see that in other countries. You see that in Tucker Carlson, right? You see mm. that in uh uh that podcast guy everybody likes with the lobsters. Um Jordan Peterson. <laughs> He has lobsters? What? Uh, something about how lobsters behave, and that's supposed to, that that's his reasoning for why his theories are right. I, I don't, I don't, I can't listen to him for more than five minutes. But, but, you know, there's this definite, it's not simply a tiny splinter of Western society that openly admires authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it used to be a, a tiny splinter, but it's now a fairly large, still not a majority by any means, but... But bigger than it used to be. Bigger than it used to be. Like if we're talking twenty percent of the country, that's still sixty million people, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. not that that's the population of Ukraine. Um yeah. Yes, that's an entire country. Yeah. Right. And it is scary. There are people in the United States who completely see the validity of what Russia is doing to Ukraine. And mm -hmm. that really frightens me. Well, if, if one thing in particular is it's I mean, there's a lot of threads we could pull out here. Like, there have been a lot of wars, but this is the first war between two white countries in a while. Mm. Uh, and that may influence some of the media treatment of it. But I really do think it's unusual that this is, A, this is a war that's kind of explicitly the aggressor saying, I want to redraw borders. That that has not happened in a while. At least, at least not in, you know, Europe. And then I, the other the other side being this is a war against a nuclear power and a former nuclear power, which is not something we've ever seen. Right. It's also, we say this a lot on this podcast, history does not repeat, but it very much rhymes. And it's mm -hmm. rhyming right now. I mean, it'd be, you'd be crazy not to look at it and be able to draw parallels to the last major world level conflict war mm -hmm. it i mean i feel like it feels different because it's an attack not on a culture or a people although it certainly is that but additionally it's an attack on a nation a sovereign nation's ability to choose its own course mm -hmm. it's an attack on on a world order on a yes, it's on a world order. It's a, on the democratic way of doing things. Right. Putin has threatened Finland. Yeah. Putin has threatened Sweden. Um, has yeah, he said the creation of Estonia and Lithuania and Latvia was uh was. I forget the word he used, but like it was illegitimate. So, um, but of course, he's not going to attack them. Unless NATO dissolves, in which case he would. So I honestly, I can't, I can't see the upside for. No, I, I mean the, the the whole thing is is kind of confusing. I mean, if 
if the point was to make NATO membership less attractive, like this is what will happen to you if you talk about joining NATO, then it was a failure because Finland is now talking about it and had studiously avoided the idea of, of joining NATO for, for decades. Right. Um, if it was to test NATO, it was not nearly gradual enough. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was, it was so fast and caught everyone, like shocked everyone's conscience so much that it really didn't take long, only a couple of days for the countries with reservations to sort of come around. Right. right? Like, like Germany is now sending a Germany is sending weapons, but Germany is itself rearming, which as right. you, know, you know better than I do is, is yeah. such a shibboleth uh, in their politics for so long. Yes. I mean, they're increasing their de- defense budget by, I can't, I don't know, like a couple it percent. 2%, but, but that, but it, it's in, in purchasing power, it's more, they are increasing it by more than the entire Russian defense budget. It just seems like a huge, like a huge miscalculation on Putin's part. Like whatever his goals were, I can't imagine that this is turning out the way he wanted Wanted. it to. Because, I mean, I know that they've alerted the um, nuclear defense team. Is that what they're calling it? Yeah, yeah, the... The, the special uh, operational unit or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. But I can't imagine that that's going to, like, give China or India or <laughs> you know, North, well, North Korea, I mean, <laughs> a, good feels. I mean, China doesn't want nuclear war. India doesn't want nuclear war. Well, right. And that's, I mean, that's the whole... Nuclear disarmament is something I, I really care a lot about. This mm-hmm. is a really dismaying time for for the the idea because you know Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons mm-hmm. based on promises that exactly this would not happen. Exactly, exactly. It was signed and in like nineteen ninety four. Yeah, so yeah. not that long ago. And if you know, but if we get to a point where. Russia or Germany is rearming and Russia starts building up their arsenal, sorry, building up their arsenal. Like, even if they aren't intending to use it against Beijing, that still forces Beijing to build up theirs. And even if Beijing isn't intending to use it against India, that forces India to build up theirs and that forces Pakistan to build up there. And, and I mean, it becomes this. It's a race again. Yeah, it becomes this sort of domino. I know that's a a word that's got a dirty history in geopolitics, but there's this this domino effect of everyone who who rearms makes the world as a whole less safe. Well, it's a chain reaction. Yeah. I think everybody is just watching and and waiting and Yeah. I know I've never watched. Well, yeah, the last time I I watched the news with this much frequency was probably the day surrounding January 6th. So, oh, yeah. How weird is social media right now? It is weird. It is beyond the normal weird. It is just... It's weird, right? Like, you're, yeah. you're like, scrolling between, like, pandemic and war and natural disasters and, you know, your high school friends, like, kids 18th birthday or like somebody or like oh look you know we just refinished our bathroom and look at this yummy meal that i have and it's 
such a weird sort of because of course life is happening like life has you know your life is continuing i mean you have to get up in the morning and you know get the kids to school and brush your teeth and go to work and Mm -hmm. do your things but you know like 850 miles away there are women who last monday were teachers and who are today fighting on the front lines yeah against invaders of their country and that feels very surreal to me uh very much so um and i mean of course that's it's always hard to see like refugees and say that that's that's sort of the the images mm. we're getting right now of uh, families being separated as the the father or even both parents stay and, and fight and the kids you know go off to to safety in a neighboring country mm. um but then again people will say on the is as annoying as twitter can be they make the point like those same images were happening in syria right like we, we didn't we, they weren't broadcast to us you know yeah true i mean obviously anywhere that there's a conflict these scenes are not unique to to ukraine mm-hmm. though i mean i think that's that's the other for me big concern is obviously the the situation in syria caused mm. this huge wave of refugees right which destabilized governments in countries all over the world um, and this conflict in Ukraine could just as easily lead to, a, you know, a refugee population of that size. Um, yeah. And, you know, what, what will that mean yeah. going forward? Do you feel, to a certain extent, like this is, a, this is a war or an invasion from a time that much of the world has moved past? Like, I feel like Putin... Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's what I meant when I said, like, we haven't had someone starting a war to redraw right. a border in, in in a while. I don't think like that's that's very right. But more than Bismarck that, it feels to me very like nineteen late nineteen eighties. And do do you know? I mean, because Putin is oh, like okay. seventy years old. Like all of the people in power are Cold War era actors, and, and I mean that not in the right. <laughs> the, They've they've been around since the Cold War. No, no, no. Yeah, I, and yeah, I feel like this is just something like the Cold the Cold War is something that we've moved past. I don't have any animosity towards the Russian people. I know Russians. Mm-hmm. I like Russians. I, you know, sure. I I appreciate many things about the culture. I don't I don't think necessarily that they feel in any animosity towards us in general, like specifically, perhaps. But like in general, I feel like we, mm. the Cold War and like being afraid of each other. I feel like that is something that we mm-hmm. moved past in like the 2000s, you know, the early aughts and mm-hmm. even or even 90s. like Or even the 90s. And I feel like this is something I don't know. I just feel like this is. Something that a 70-year-old man who is living in the past <laughs> and is trying or is trying to, like, hearken back to something that never existed mm-hmm. is trying to achieve. I don't know. It just feels it feels like we're re- living in a time that we've we've largely moved as a it, the world has entirely moved past. Right. And I really, really hate that we're being once again drug in a direction that we don't want to go in yeah. by old dudes. I mean, you see that domestically too, like how much of American politics is people who never got over 1968. Yeah. Like they are still 
that's still when it is for them. And like they they can prevent the sexual revolution and civil rights if only they just stand now, you know, and and no, I absolutely I don't know. agree with I mean, that. I don't think it's specific to Putin. I do see it very much in the US as well and in other places too. Yeah. It's it's I mean, we we've talked about this. Like we seem to have a system unlike a lot of European countries, which seem to welcome younger leaders. Like we we seem to have a system that explicitly or not yes. has a seniority right. uh, bonus. I, to be if fair, you will. I don't it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't want somebody with no experience. I don't want like somebody to roll up I don't I don't mm. you know, I want somebody to have some life experience. I want somebody to know what they're doing. I just I just don't necessarily do they all yeah. have to be over 70, though? Like, does the yeah. entire leadership like have to be over like 78. 70? Can we maybe pass the torch now, guys? I, I promise you, we have some ideas. Probably not going to like them. You're probably not going to think that we're doing it right. But it's okay. <laughs> it's time. I mean, when you look at the UK, right? Like, you do your time as prime minister. You're usually <clears> in your 50s. And then you just kind of step back, and you're on the Privy Council... And maybe you talk mm. on BBC Two on on their you know one one of their discussion programs and and that's okay like you you know you have your time and then you sort of move on and let someone else do it and that doesn't I don't know that doesn't seem to happen in the U.S. as much. What's what's David Cameron doing these days? Uh, I don't know. I do know Jeremy Corbyn is speaking at an anti-NATO rally today. So I, yeah. So I'm, I'm a little disappointed in Jayza there. To uh, What's put Corbyn's it mildly, beef with NATO. Well, Corbyn's one of those people. I think it's like I just said, like stuck in 1968. Like you know, Corbyn has spent his entire life trying to win the 1979 general election. Like that is like he, he is stuck mm. in a pre-Thatcherite UK. And that's what he wants back. And 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 he anything that does not take him back to that is sort of incomplete and and an unacceptable compromise. OK, um, was was he I, I don't know that much about. 19- oh, no, no, no. I, I just mean he was okay. that was the, that, the election that brought Thatcher to power. He was a he was a junior backbencher back then. But like that is when his, okay, that's I when see. he got frozen in amber. Right. That's when his views of the world crystallized and he can't. Okay. Adapt to the world after it, just like some people with the Cold War or some people with the sexual revolution or what have you. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thatcher hung in there for a while. Uh, yeah. She only passed away yeah. fairly recently, I think, like in the teens, if I'm not but mistaken. She was, she was the prime minister for a decade almost. A decade. Uh, yeah. Like the 79 yeah. to maybe 90. And then um, that poor guy that, they John who was John it between major? him and Blair yeah. between her and Blair uh major <laughs> John major poor guy no it's sort of like because he's a lot like there are a lot of comparisons like Thatcher's like Reagan Blair is like Bill Clinton and and major's kind of like George H.W. Bush like a wonky technocratic guy who was just really the wrong person at the wrong time through no fault of his own and and out of his depth but you know it's 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 just interesting how well, yeah, and, Those parallels well, and were. continuing with the parallels from, between Britain and the U.S., I mean, could you get more parallelly than Boris Johnson and Donald Trump? Oh, my God, <laughs> no. I think you do not. <laughs> I mean. Um, 
And I guess who, so, so who would you, I mean, I guess they look forward to their Joe Biden in the next election. Uh, maybe the older uh, Miliband. I don't know, but. Wait, it was David Miliband is the older Miliband, correct? It's David, it's David the and one Ed. Who didn't run. I think he, Ed Miliband was the one who ran. Yeah. E- Eating the bacon sandwich. And, and David artlessly. Miliband was, yeah, that was a crazy, a crazy sort of. Election story, yeah. Though again, I mean, though again, that gets to what you were saying. That was that yeah. was a prelude to this operation right now because that was that was one that election even before the Brexit vote was one of the first sort of tryouts of uh, the the Russian election interference. Though though it's I mean I and I don't just want to I don't just want to make it sound like conservatives are russian stooges though they are that that's it, it's it's not it's not that simple like the other big one of the biggest pushes russia did in u.s politics was the protests mm. against keystone xl uh that's in the senate report on this it, it sort of gets glossed over because but you know whatever your views on that project are it's in russia's interest that u.s right petroleum production be lower uh and it was a way to sort of disillusion and disappoint right. a generation of political activists. So I, I don't know. It's the whole thing. Like, yes, I know the U.S. interferes. Like, like I know the U.S. has has dirty hands here too. In some way, I'm not. I'm not pretending that. But it's it doesn't change the fact. Fe- like, I wish we would stop. And and I. I but I wish Russia right. would stop with with my country. Well, we know? should we should let nations determine their own fates and sometimes you our top choice is not going to be the people of that country's top choice and that's not honestly for us to decide we have to work with whoever a country chooses if we believe in the democratic system but and here but right that's the weakness right because it can only take one election sure of the anti-democratic party um, as as right, we but, came but all that's too close still, to like, in the a US, country right? choosing that path, and kind of you have to respect. Yeah. I mean, like if a country wants to be under an autocrat, if they're choosing not democracy, if they're democratically choosing not sure. democracy, what are you going to do about it? No, I mean that's a good point. And like, and like you know, I see some. Everyone becomes mm. a blood red hawk whenever a war starts. But like you see calls on Twitter, like oh, overthrow Putin. Like, well, that's not that's not going to make things better. Like if we were to do something that overthrew the Russian government, my God, that would like, that would be. Worse than you have a power vacuum. Oh my God. We have to. Yeah, exactly. Like God knows who would come up, but like, it's hard. It's really hard as sort of the most powerful country in the world to just look at the so many parts of the world and say, "Eh, there's, there's nothing we can do, but there really is nothing we can do about so many things. But Ukraine, Ukraine, we can do something about, and we are. Do you, so you think this has definitely been a watershed moment for NATO, that it will come out far stronger? Oh, absolutely. D- during and after this than it, than it I was think, going into it. I do. I think Finland would not have brought up joining mm. unless they mean it. Um, and I think uh, – and I – you know, I, I, I've got plenty of problems with NATO. I don't think it's some perfect institution, but I think it, its existence has just mm. been guaranteed for 40 more years now. Like, it, again, it's – it's. I don't understand really what outcome Putin was looking right. for because it's not this. I also really – I mean, I really think uh, this week has highlighted Joe Biden's mm. biggest strengths as a president 
in that, like, you know, quietly behind the scenes, lining up German and French and Belgian and Dutch and, you know, all these different actors, mm-hmm. like getting the support lined up quietly. Yeah. Letting them take the credit for it and and keeping the alliance together, you know, not promising anything more than he than than could be delivered right. and delivering what was possible. I um, mean, I think it's just he, he's he's. I'm really impressed with how Biden is doing here. Well, I, I want that's to good say. because I know that so. there are lots of people out there who are like, he's not doing enough. He should invade. Where is NATO? And I'm like, well, Ukraine <laughs> isn't part of NATO currently. And this is why. Like, <laughs> yeah. It is a very fine line that we're walking here. The EU itself seems to be mm-hmm. stepping up as its own entity, right? Right. Uh, the EU airspace is closed to, to Russian yeah. flights. So And yeah. y- yachts and, yeah. and shipping vessels are getting seized. Uh, it's uh, I, I was surprised how yeah. quickly and, that, that um, started. Banking is being disrupted. And yep. F's, uh, about, the Chelsea yeah. soccer team foundation, has been handed yeah. over to us. Interestingly a, yeah. <laughs> enough, like, I'm, I'm surprised at how many newspapers in the UK are owned by dual Russian UK citizens, and by UK UK citizens, I mean they came hmm. to their their citizenship relatively late in life. <laughs> by purchasing or, yeah, a, a tall I building mean, somewhere, there's like one father son family yeah. that owns two or three newspapers. I find that I find hmm. that disturbing. Should I? I don't know enough about the UK press to say. I mean, I know we have a similar problem in the US of like two corporations own something like 90% of the dailies in the US. Are they foreign owned as well? I mean, I well it's it's a corporation so it's hard to say, right? Like I don't know who their shareholders are. I always are. I know I know Rupert Murdoch is like a citizen. I know he is. And the US, he's a US citizen. Of Australia, as well. right? I think I'm pretty sure he has dual citizenship. Oh. Now, I think he may uh, even have, I think he may even have <laughs> British citizenship. I'm going to have to Google that. But I mean, but the man owns yeah. a lot of media and mm-hmm. and deploys a lot of media in countries that I feel like he, I feel like he became a citizen just so he could disrupt the order. No, yeah, I, uh, I certainly hear you there. Though, on the other hand, like. It's almost like the idea of newspapers being influential, like that's 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 a quaint, right, notion from from a decade ago. And now everything is well, I saw I saw somebody on YouTube tell me that if yeah, I take TikTok. this horse deal. I saw it in a thirty second thing on TikTok. You know, yeah, I, I like saw it on TikTok. Is, yeah. It's called doing your <laughs> exactly. own research. Yeah. I don't know. The world seems like it's spiraling out of control. I'm very concerned. I yeah. I don't see this ending quickly. What's your week look like? <laughs> um, well, I do cybersecurity, and anytime, anytime there's a war, uh, that the we get really busy. Uh, and in particular, uh, logistics firms seem to be targets this go around, and that's most of our client base. So I expect some long days. How about yeah, you? I'm gonna try and focus on my my work that I do my volunteer work I'm going to try and like be a mom and answer questions hard mm-hmm. questions about world events from small children and you know, honest but not I don't know but try not to scare the crap out of them I don't know how do you I don't know how you do that I'm trying to think back to when we yeah. were younger and how our parents handled things like this but I like the only we never had 
this. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll have to see what happens, I guess. Yeah, we're still sort of stuck in the uh, fog of not knowing. It, it'll be interesting to revisit this hopefully in a few weeks yeah. when some of the dust has settled and we can we'll know better what was going on. But until then, just pray for peace, I guess. Pray for peace and for no reason and reason to prevail. I don't know. It's it's a tough one. So, Weldon, as always, yeah. thank you very much for having a conversation with uh, me. Thank you, Chessie. And Hey, take care of yourself and the family. You and you as well. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. All right. Bye.